Well, hey, this week on the Test Club, we have Matt Barter out of uh, Brunswick, Maine. Uh, he's a old friend of mine. Uh, he runs Art Studio and has been doing the art game for quite a few years now. Nice to catch up with him. It has been way too long. We also have new music starting and ending with a song from Joel Sanchez, somebody I've known for most of my life. And so it was nice to hear some... Uh, input from him on some intro and outro music not that i forgot you Jaden, but uh we're we're gonna switch things up here and there throughout the so we're not always playing the same thing but now let's uh talk to matt barter thanks for watching test Bug. <laughs> all right well matt barter good to see you man i uh it's it's been a few years since i've been there in the the old main uh, domain um how you doing doing good you know we're uh, we're hanging in there and we're plugging along we're low gearing right now nice nice yeah well, when i was there uh we just barely turned that garage space into a little bit of a shop um, it looks like you've done quite a bit since, bit since I left. Yeah, we finished it all out. Uh, we've been open for two years now. I show my art downstairs and I work upstairs. So it's kind of a, just one big package unit. It's an old carriage house uh, nice. that's on the property that we own. So it's pretty sweet little deal. Cool, cool. And uh, how old is that building? Uh, well, when we tore out a wall, I found a board that was painted with the words with the number 1935. But since it's a carriage house, I'm assuming it's like pre-World War One. I. I bet it's like 1910, more or less. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, how, how does it handle the, the main winters? We insulated every inch of it, um, so it does really well. Um, yeah, I only heat the upstairs, so the downstairs is more just like a seasonal gallery. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, are, you, are you displaying just your stuff, or do you have some other people's stuff there as well? 99% mine. I have a local potter that I show. He's out of Lisbon Falls, and I show my dad, but not a lot of my dad. I used to show more of my dad, but we have a gallery in Portland. It's pretty close, and they get kind of territorial. So I have one uh, of my dad pieces up right now. Yeah. Nice, I'm like a nice. southern agent. for like So like if people need a piece, I'll go pick it up and bring it to them and stuff like that. So okay yeah, that's about it nice well uh you want to show me around a little bit and yeah, right, uh, right. let's see so i'm sitting at my counter where i greet people that come in uh behind me is an old um barrister's cabinet as you can see i right. pulled it out of a barn in vermont my friend was going to take it to the dump and he sends me a picture and says you can come get this today or i'm taking it to the dump so i i told my buddy and we jumped in his truck and we drove four hours one way to get it um, but I use it for his pottery, and I use it okay. for my little kind of bric-a-brac tchotchke right. type sculptures. Um, so I'll give you a tour. So this corner right here is kind of, I keep, I have this new thing. I, well, these are older pieces. You probably remember some of these spacemen. Oh, yeah. And I had these in Florida for like four years at a gallery, and I just got them back this summer. So I was really excited to get them back. And uh, they're made from wire cloth and canvas. And then the upper shelf is kind of like some pop art style inspired sculptures with some McDonald's food. 
and some other items there. And then this shelf, it's a little bit topsy-turvy right now because I'm shutting down for the year and I'm starting to bring down sculptures for next year. Oh, gotcha. Already. So I'm working on a project right now, which we could have talked to about at the end, but I might as well talk about it now because I can show you some of the pieces. I'm going to turn this whole gallery into an installation that's kind of a, it's going to be a modern design inspired department store. Okay. So I want to build some of my own furniture, lighting. Um, I'm going to have a jewelry counter where I design some of my own jewelry, which I've got some pieces here I can show you. Um, yeah, that's, I don't think you did much jewelry. You were talking about it a little bit, but I don't remember. Never before. Suit. So these are, yeah. some these are some brooches um, and another like a bird brooch here. Like, like Southwestern inspired. Yeah, yeah. I think this I remember is, seeing those on your Instagram. Yeah, I did have those. Yeah, so, the, so this is basically what do a bunch more, though. I've set up a jewelry okay. counter upstairs. So that, so that it also, this show is going to have um, used rocket parts, which are going to be these really um, very odd sort of sculptures, new for me. And then right. the last pit, piece of the puzzle is going to be reclaimed. Well, it's going to be, they're called fragments of Columbia. So in 2005, the Columbia shuttle crashed, right? Right. On reentry. Oh, I remember it quite well. I was uh, seven years old watching outside a window at the time. <laughs> crazy, right? Well, that was, um, that was a different one from the uh, one in Florida. This one crashed over Texas and through the Southwest. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So sorry. Colum so that one was the Krista McAuliffe um, one. Right, that was uh, the other one. <laughs> yes, exactly, the other one. So the Columbia one was in 2003 or four. Okay. I remember distinctly, I was on the beach with my wife in Malaysia, and the, cop, the fire engines are going by, ironically. Nice. I'll give them a chance to go by. So I just saw the headlines, and it just kind of flattened me, because I saw the headlines at the coffee place where we were in Malaysia. And the story that kind of really grabbed my attention was the people that were grabbing up the, the parts of the shuttle that landed to the ground and were trying to sell oh, them. Oh, wow. And so I'm going to make some pieces that are just these really sort of meteoric looking reentry fused pieces, really, gotcha. really out there. So these pieces I'm showing you right now are going to be the rocket parts. Okay. So what this is, is this is going to be a rebreather. So I'm going to put it towards a white background so you can kind of see it better. Gotcha. So oh, okay. Roots like a filter unit. Yeah. Filter unit. Exactly. It's got a little knob on the back. A lot of these are like vacuum cleaner parts, um, using some burlap and some, actually I'm using a new thing, which is reflective paint, which is kind of hard for you to see. No, but, but I, I know what you're talking about for sure. Yeah, so, you get the glass beads and I've never played yeah. with it before. So that's something. And then here's another one here. This is a, this is a Geiger counter. Oh, okay. So, so this is a kind of a vacuum cleaner body with some crystals. I put some, can you see this okay? Yeah, yeah. There's some, like this, a vacuum formed this plastic to this like wire armature that I made and I put some fake flowers inside. Um, and then this one's kind of fun. I think you're gonna get a kick out of this one. This is like a food storage unit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So then I've got this water bottle on the side and then this one opens up. And then inside are these like little food storage things. Can you see that okay? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my son was really into this curry, frozen curry dinners, and I kept saving the 
the containers <laughs> and I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And then I was like, you know what? I want to make a food storage container. Kind of like you might see like on an airplane, but right, the little like rolling boxes. NASA inspired. Um, so all this white is that reflective paint there. Um, this okay. is a lamp that I've designed. You can kind of really start to see the 60s uh, modern design uh, influence happening. Right. Um, so if you look carefully, it's like this weird plastic thing. I think I got it off of a toy. I somehow it magically sistered with this lamp part that's just this globe thing. And then um, I wired it up myself. So hopefully I don't burn anything down. But now, you, so you can see that this is kind of like where the direction I'm going in for this show. I gotcha. And then let's see. So this is, these are my sort of mainstream oil paintings. Right. These are my sort of bread and butter oil on board. I make the panels myself out of masonite with a, with a wooden rail on them. And then, uh, you know, shellac them and paint these with oils. And so I'm just going to give you a quick tour of these oils. These are fun. I'm, I'm excited about this. So then this piece was the centerpiece. It's really shadowy because I have a lot of afternoon light coming in right now. And so this is a wood, it's called a wood relief. It's plywood built up with also some reclaimed plaster lathing and also painted plywood. So I'm going to kind of zoom in a little bit so you can start to see some of the layers here. Oh, yeah. You can see okay. the plaster lathing, the painted right. wood, um, and you can, if you go this, if you go like diagonal, then you can start to see the depths there. Do you see? Oh, for sure, sure. Then that those are fun. People enjoy those. And then here's have you gone other, through all those buckets of lathing yet? No, I that still have tons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been I salvage it wherever I see it. You know, that's how I am. So here's here's the rest of these sort of landscape kind of painting seascapes and then i've got some more of the more main boat work inspired ones this is a rather large one here it's five five feet by four feet bigger ones and then i'm just going to go finish out the oil show so this one's a little bit of a, a newer style kind of more modern design so i might use some of these influences for next year's show and then i'm just going to go all the way around the gallery for so you can get some continuity here so yeah. here's some sculptures that i do Here's another one of the space series. This one's called okay. the portable biome. And it's got a concrete base with these wires coming out. Right. And some vacuum cleaner parts. And then I put some little pl fl plastic flowers in there and I'll kind of shrunk wrap plastic over them. So you, now you're kind of starting to see maybe a few of the different elements that I'm working with. Right. And so then this is another thing I like to do, which are these little um, glass cloche things. So oh, yeah, the little, um, uh, what do you call them, terrariums, yeah. Yeah, this is like a museum cloche. It's a pretty right. big one. It's about 30 inches tall, I would say. But I like to fill them with really ugly things, like these pink <laughs> mushrooms. And there's some crystals in there and other things. And it's on one of my own design tables, which is like this. I'll have to hold it up above it. Do you see the face design in it? In oh, yeah. Table? Yeah, your yeah. barter yeah. face. That's my barter face. And this one right here is an older piece too. This is the, um, can you see this? Okay, this is a head. Yeah. That's made out of plywood and Bondo. And it's on one of my weird tables that I've designed. And this right here, I'm pretty excited about. See this booger that came out of his mouth? <laughs> yeah. So this is like, um, it's a, like a piece of melted aluminum. Me and Ollie hiked up some train tracks and we found some, somebody had melted a ton of aluminum up in the woods somewhere. 
And we harvested a bunch of these weird blobby things, huh. drippy aluminum blobs. We right. dragged them back. It was a lot of work, actually. It was pretty heavy. And I've been playing with it. And then I even, I'll show you later, but I even started melting my own aluminum just for fun. Nice. So then this is a sort of a, one of the little pieces also that I make is this large wooden sculpture with these guys working on a boat. Yeah. And that that's kind of goes along with the boat work show. And then here's a sculpture of a guy with a wheelbarrow. Can you see that guy? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so that's kind of the tour of the downstairs. I guess I could show you my potter. This is Tim Fisher. He does really nice work. Um, he does do really nice work. I have a couple of whiskey cups from him. Yeah. So he does these nice things. Yeah. Um, and that's about it for downstairs here. Do you want to go upstairs? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, let's studio? check it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got a couple more of these weird rocket parts here. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about them no. because they're like totally divergent from anything I've ever right. done. You know, mostly what I do is figurative, like people, human forms. Right, right. And so to make something like a rocket part or like a piece of something that's like really hard to see what it is, it's kind of fun. So this is my studio. This is the entrance to my studio. I started doing this with my old brushes, kind of attaching oh, nice. them to the wall here. So now we're going upstairs. And I've got this sort of deer head to greet you at the top of the stairs. You probably remember oh, that yeah. one from the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so then this is like a shelf here. So there, here's some more kind of inspirational pieces for the Super Mod show that I'm working on. And this is a game that I designed. It's called, um, called Chernobyl. So it's, like, it's kind of like a Jenga sort of stacking game. Right. Um, I had all these little wooden blocks. I can't remember. I think I got them off the side of the road for free at a yard sale. Someone huh. was making someone was making buoy keychains. So if you look at this right here, do you see this? Oh right, right. So there's a box of them, and they were for free. And I just grabbed them with a bunch of other weird stuff. And I started gluing them together because I was like, either I burn these or I just play with them, basically. And then I made these weird little shapes, right? See? Yep. And then when I was playing with them, I realized that they stack really well together. Okay. Okay almost like a Gen jenga type game okay and so then the idea is you see you you take turns stacking them to see how high up you can get them without them falling over when they fall over you yell meltdown you know like, <laughs> like the, so so the show the super mod show is gonna have some sort of facets to it that are sort of kind of man stupidity you know like right the re-entry Columbia reentry. Not that it was stupid that they crashed it, but it was stupid that people selling parts of it. Um, and you know, obviously Chernobyl. That was stupid. So here's some pieces of some stuff I'm working on right now. I'm casting some concrete. Okay. Um, so these are going to be whatever I kind of want them to be. This is kind of like a base for something, probably. You can see this. Gotcha. So it's like a milk jug. I took a milk jug and I cast some concrete with some steel coming out. And from there, I can just pretty much do whatever I want. I can attach wood, burlap, whatever I want. Um, this is one of the only sort of recognizable pieces from that, from that grouping for now. This is a, a glove that I cast concrete into. Okay. And this would be sort of like a spaceman glove. Yeah. You know, going along with that Columbia theme, you know, parts of the ship that landed. Right. And they were finding like parts of spacesuits and 
patches and they're putting them on eBay. And I was like, it really annoyed me big time. Anyway, so, so that's part of that. And then, um, yeah, so there's that. This is where I paint over here. I kind of forgot what I was doing. So there's some pieces over here that are, there's some paintings over here that I've started. This is my easel right here. Some paints and I actually started doing something I've never done before, which is pre-mixing my oil colors so that when I go to the easel, I can almost just paint right out of the, right out of the little right, jar right. instead of mixing them on well, you, the palette. You kind of go with like seasonal themes a little bit, don't you? Where you use kind of the same colors for like four or five paintings and then. Definitely. Yeah. I'll dial in on a palette and like those Scudic ones downstairs, it was a limited palette of only like six or eight colors. And from there, it really helps me to focus on my composition when I'm not thinking too much about color. Um, so this is a, this is a newer piece on the easel. You can see kind of that I've gotten away from that limited palette and I'm working with some new colors. I was looking through Instagram and I always, I love looking through the art because you, you have these different um, art, modern art, um, I don't know which bloggers, I guess you would call them. And yeah. they, I found these two Milton Avery paintings that were just so good and um, just super great. And I just kind of pulled a few of the colors and some of the elements from those. This is a, um, another wood relief that I'm working on right now. I might back up so you can see it. Um, and I'm using those newer colors with this. Yeah. So this one I'm excited about. This is sort of up and down. It would probably be better if it was like, that's the way it's going to be viewed when you're, we're done with it. And this is my rack where I rack my work when I'm in between. So gotcha. I'll, have, I'll probably have you know, five, six paintings on here that I'm in the middle of working on. Right. Um, this is a chair that I designed for the Supermod show. Doesn't really show well in here because it's super cluttery. Um, but this is kind of like ground control too. I remember I, remember I made the David Bowie chair. Oh yeah. Yeah, so this is, um, this is another one. And I, it's, this one's got a cool light attached that I still need to wire. But um, so some of the details for this would be like right here, there's a phone. For calling Houston um, and then there's like these cool little storage thing on there I basically took two really ugly mid-century chairs and I like stripped them down to plywood and metal and just fused them together create that nice. um, and then for comfortable I'm sure too oh yeah that thing is like <laughs> <laughs> look at this like this ugly headrest is so fun like see it's got that sort of exposed um oh yeah you know all thread rod uh top on it so anyway so uh, today i got a shipment of plywood so i just started cutting it up and i'm starting to prime it because what happens if i don't prime it is it gets all warped oh yeah i yeah. want to prime it and stash it so this winter i'll have plenty of material so i don't have to go out to the hardware store when yeah. there's like four feet of snow in the ground right right and this is Look, a new addition. This is just my. And you stop at there. Goodwill on the way, and that you know costs you extra money. Yeah, go to Starbucks, go to Goodwill, go to the hardware store. Next thing you know, you got no money left. So this is my new new addition. Is this jewelry bench? Um, okay. And so, like, the toy thing, I'm kind of excited about the 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 modern department store is going to have a toy section, and so I'm working on. I'm, I just found this book at Goodwill, actually. So okay. Um. This is all Disney, um, vintage Disney toys. Really right. geeking out about this Donald right here. With this, nice. can you see that okay? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm gonna I want to make some of these items here, kind of like murky mouse revisit. I was just gonna I was just gonna say murky. Uh, yeah, show a reappearance. Murky Do you have like, any mur murky I've, pieces left? Uh, I've given a lot of them away. Let me see. I might have under here. Um, the better ones were the ones made out of hardware cloth and white and um, bondo. Yes. And, yeah. But I do have this guy right here. This guy is, he was one of the, um, he was made from a stuffed Mickey, remember? Yeah, I remember those. And I just dipped him in um, resin and painted him up really funky. So I kept one just for fun. Um, but yeah, I've given most of them away. The the best one Joby Cole has, and I, he he let he borrowed it. So I'm gonna get that one back for the show because I need that. Nice. One. Um, another kind of toy inspiration for the show is like '70s Fisher Price stuff. So I've yeah. made these like remember those Fisher Price people? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember them well. So this isn't fully finished, but you can see I've got three of them here. Okay. Um, I played with these when I was a kid, like extensively. They had the little airport and the trucks and the baggage, yeah. and oh, they were just the best. So, well, it was all about imagination. They didn't have fifty thousand parts; they had three parts. <laughs> exactly, and no arms. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it was all about you know imagination. So that's I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, any any anything you want to ask? Oh, here's here's the um, I want to show you this. If I can open this without getting a bunch of sawdust in here. This is the um, the glass beads that I've got. This is a new. Um, I got some sawdust in there. So do you see this right here? Oh wow! It's like a pearlescent, like a pearl, pearled glass. Yeah. Okay. So you can add this to your paint, or what I found works better: put the paint on, and then you dump a bunch of this on there. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sticks into the paint. Um, so the. I've been wondering how they did it, but like on the old fire hydrant heads, you'd be walking through the old port or whatever, and you'd be like, "Whoa!" It just all of a sudden just like, it just like, like, comes like a beacon, yeah, yeah. Light hits it just right, and I was like, I never could figure out how they did that. And then my friend who works for the DOT was like, "Oh, that's just glass beads. You get them at Sherwin Williams." So I was like, "Holy cow!" So I just ordered. You should some. really look into you know artwork, you know, because there's a lot of stuff you can learn, man. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's amazing what you can learn when you ask the right question to the right person. Um, one of my other favorite material sourcing is free items. I just picked oh, this yeah. up this morning. It's this super ugly hamper, but it's got this really great metal um, pattern. So I'm just gonna cut yeah. this out and maybe you know form it and cast it in concrete as part of the uh, you know fragments of Columbia. Some of that really abstract stuff a cool like keep a chunk of it for stencil work or something too because it has it does have a neat pattern to it yeah you're right good idea and so these are my bins okay here's the aluminum that i was telling you about that i found on the ground in oh weird Bodenham. Yeah. yeah so i don't know what they were doing maybe they're well melting it was an accident i don't know what happened but there's a ton of this i have a whole box of it and huh. when i was there i was like i have to learn how they did that so i started melting my own aluminum and these are some of the blobs that I was able to make here. Do you see those okay? Yep. Yeah. I basically just took my old table table saw top and I okay. put it on my on my fire outside and I just like kind of I just let it melt down 
And it looks like something from like Sigourney Weaver would have um, interacted with, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. There's like, there's an alien breathing behind that somewhere. Yeah, there's some slime <laughs> falling through here, some alien blood. So yeah, but so I, I want to play more with that. But yeah, so materials new this year, I would say melted aluminum, the glass beads. I'm working with some burlap and concrete. We'll see whatever else we can come up with this year. And I'm sure you're sure you're melting that in a in a really uh, well ventilated area. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, I'm melting it outside, and I did notice that my throat was closing up the next day. So um, I think I'm not going to do it anymore until I figure out the safe way of doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the safe way. Have your children do it. That's (laughs) right. Their lungs are fresh. Exactly. <laughs> They've got a lot of life yeah. left. <laughs> they haven't been breathing in uh, um, thinners and paint uh, materials for years at this point. Exactly. <laughs> Any new places you're going to be showing work? Um, well, the awesome thing about having my gallery downstairs is it's a place that I can just create a show and just hang it. Right. Which is something I'm really getting excited about. The old days of making a show and then trying to find a place that'll exhibit it it might be a coffee shop it might be like that place with that crazy guy right right i'm not going to say where but places where you it's not an ideal place you know it's not a gallery because a gallery is concerned about making money so it's hard for them to show an installation right where's the money coming in from that having my own space that i can control curate is just a game changer this thing keeps uh, this sound you keep hearing is this yeah. little um wind up, wind up. <laughs> it's vintage wind up dinosaur bones and he just keeps going on i can't get him to stop so <laughs> life will find a way <laughs> thank you jurassic park it's funny i've been nerding out over the uh, jeff goldblum series on disney plus yeah, it's actually pretty good. I uh, it, he's really become his uh, his own freedom. Like he can do whatever he wants now. Whereas before he was, you know, under a director's thumb a little bit. Where now yes. he's just Jeff Goldblum. He's a great rambler, you know. Yeah. And just to listen to him ramble is actually worth watching the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, realistically, the reception's really good here. We might as well just continue on here as opposed to breaking it up. Um, so let's get a little bit into uh, where you started and uh, what inspires you. So, where do you start with art? I was born and raised in Down East Maine uh, near Acadia. And my dad was an artist growing up, but he kind of wore a lot of hats to make ends meet because I had six brothers and sisters. Um, so you can imagine, you know, that was pretty rough economically speaking, right? And if you've ever been to that region, you'll know that it's a very depressed area financially, economically. So he, um, I don't know how he did it. Anyway, it was, so I guess in the 90s when I was a teenager, his art career kind of took off. So he built a studio out back and I kind of worked in that studio when I was 15 to 18 years old, those really formative years. Right. And not only did I, you know, work on the mechanical parts, stretching canvas, sizing canvas, 
framing, doing all the sort of grunt work, right, in an art studio. Yeah. My dad, my dad was painting these um, antique furniture with like some boat paint. You know, he'd buy these antique dressers and paint them really crazy colors and stuff. Right. And people were going, would love them, and they kind of went crazy when he was doing them, and they bought them all, or whatever. But the problem with the boat paint is my dad was having a hard time keeping up with the paint. It was setting up too fast for him. Oh, okay. So I'm working there on some canvas or stretching some canvas, and he's like, hey, grab that brush and that can of paint and just watch me and follow me. So at that point, I was blending colors with him, and we'd work our way right around a piece of furniture so that the paint would stay wet and we could kind of tool it with our brushes right. and make right. you know, do whatever. And I think that was really like a game changer for me, like playing with the paint, watching the color blend, you know, seeing how you could turn this ugly piece of furniture into something really cool and unique. And so then from there, um, I kind of moved out on my own. I, you know, got married when I was really young. We traveled a lot. We lived very cheaply. And I didn't really take the art seriously until like 10 years ago. Um, and then I had bought my first house and I had a little tiny rinky dink studio out back that was basically like 10 by 12 or something. It was like, yeah. a, it was like a shed basically. It was and, the side of a chicken, chicken coop. <laughs> when I moved, yeah. When I moved my tools in and my workbench, I basically could hardly fit in the space. Um, but with that said, I made some really big pieces out there and it kind of really helped me to get my feet under me. Um, and then we moved to Brunswick and we got this carriage house. That was like six years ago and um, basically took two or three years of my life. You were there for a lot of that. And I tunneled underneath it, did a ton of structural work to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that barn, that barn was all kinds of racked and uh, oh, it was a um, crazy mess. <laughs> So when we did the sheathing on the inside, because it was sheathed on the outside, obviously, but when we sheathed the inside, we basically created these sheer walls, which really structured it well. Oh, yeah. And, you know, finally got approval from the town to open my gallery. So we've been open for three years now, maybe. Nice. And every year gets better, except for this year went worse, obviously, because no one was up from the Massachusetts right. community. Yeah, yeah, the tourist the tourist industry kind of uh, had a little bit of a hit this year. <laughs> yeah. With that said, though, we you know we kind of hunkered down and we were careful and we actually came out pretty well this year. So I was able to prepay my bills and get my material set up so I can take the winter off, which I like to do, and yeah, climb into my studio and just play. You know. Sweet. sweet. So that's the story, and you know picked up a lot of tricks along the way as far as my work. I incorporate a lot of my house painting, carpentry skills in my work. And I think when, you know, you do your research and you start studying art, you pick up a lot of tricks. And one of my favorite things that I learned was from Frank Geary and that when he looks at a material, whatever it is, it could be a material that you use every day in the architecture world, you know, he right. will look at it and say, okay, what else can I use this for? what other purpose can I use this for? And that was really like changed my whole thinking on material sourcing and what, what products to use and different things. So it helped me to see that art can be more than just stretch canvas with paint on it. You know, it can be found object. It can be wire cloth and, you know, burlap or whatever you kind of have readily available. 
Well, it really kind of speaks the 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 core of what a Maynard is too. I think um, maybe you could probably explain that a little better than I could, uh, seeing as I am not one. Um, and it's Definitely, been, yeah. Look, and it, <laughs> well, well, just, I was gonna say, just when you said just when you said Maynard, with you added a D to Maynard, um, so that was that's a tell right there. Um, so yeah, Maynard, Maynard philosophy is. Save, save your money and save your materials and scraps and they'll have jars with like one or two nails in it, like just in case, you know. So if you go into a Mainer, a Downeaster's garage or workspace, they'll have just the stupidest stuff that they can't get rid of because they might need it someday. Yeah. You know, a little scrap of fiberglass that they could patch a hole in a boat with or, you know, whatever they save. And now looking around my studio, I'm laughing at them at their, you know, their frugality. But I'm looking around my studio and I'm like, I am a complete Mainer. So I say I save these pudding cups and um, I cast some concrete in them because I'll show, <laughs> I'll show you this. So I use I cast some concrete in them right here. See, look at this. Right. See, oh, okay. but it, it's attached to a mini, a little mini cable. Okay, so I just put these lights in. Do you see these lights, new lighting? They're yeah, yeah. super great, but I attached them directly to the ceiling. But they came with these little cables with these attached, these little loops on them. Okay. And when I saw those, I was like, well, those are cool. I can't throw those away. So I saved all of these. And so I kind of, and so what these are is going to be maybe like a counterweight on a sculpture or. Oh, okay. Just like a little thing. I don't know what, I'm, I just cast them. I'm going to figure it out later. So anyways, the frugality is a big, big deal for me. I've saved these um, Starbucks bags. I'm going to pour them with concrete in a, in a really sort of, um, I'm going to use the, the thickness of the plastic to kind of create some really interesting shapes with the concrete. So yeah, definitely you get, when you're born and raised poor in Down East Maine, you learn to save and scrimp and use what you got. Um, where did the, where did the, uh, the boat life part of that come into your art? The... Yeah, I think we've, I think I've told you about this before, but like the, um, the Downeasters use a word called glom, right? To slap things together. So on a boat, they might be offshore and they're like, oh, great. The, you know this thing just broke off. What do we do? Okay, we'll just glom it back on until we can get back to shore. And that basically means glue it, screw it, duct tape it, however you can get it to work. So the right. boat doesn't sink and we can get back and fix it. Um, you'll hear a lot of it like, oh, you know, glom that right on there. You know, oh, the roof has got a hole in it. We'll just go glom this piece of top paper on there and just put it right up there. And, you know, just, it'll be fine till spring, you know, we'll fix it later kind of thing. Get it through so the season, it, get it through the winter, yeah. Exactly. Whatever you can do to get through that season or that, you know, expedition uh, offshore. So that mentality is in there, too. And so when I was working on a, a series I called Glom, I didn't realize that I was actually using a lot of techniques and tricks that are a very um, accepted form of art, which is called bricolage. And um, I think Tom Sachs does a lot of bricolage. And basically the structure of bricolage is you're making something at a very fast pace with ready, ready, ready materials, whatever's lying around. 
And so if you're fabricating, you're like, oh man, I need this thing. So what a, just grab that thing right there and use it. And so gotcha. it's not, it's not like you're thinking, okay, what materials am I going to use for this project? It's holy crap. I want to get this done, grab that board and that screw gun and just throw it together. And right. so <laughs> I'm making it sound more ridiculous than it is, but it's, it's a really fun way to build. Let me show you this deer head, for instance, this I would consider bricolage. Um, so do you see this deer now here? Yes. Yes. Okay. So these are, these are parts of a PVC uh, five gallon bucket. Do you see this? Yep. So do you see how that's brown? I sprayed that brown, but I sprayed it in place so you can see how the paint got into here. The bottom is like this fur that I had lying around. This is a piece of drop cloth that I painted pink. This is an old piece of plywood. Um, I think this is a toilet bowl float, which would have been like on a copper thing. Yeah. And this is just a piece of like, I think it's like inner cloth from an old jacket I had, plaster lathing, wire cloth, some antlers I had lying around. Um, and then, so if you look at the tag itself, because I saved the original tag, you can kind of see what, it's from the Glom oh, yeah, Show. The 2013, so that was seven years ago. Uh, but that's yeah. very, that's a very Glom sort of bricolage style of just throw it together and, you know, make it work. You know, like the old make it work thing. I've always been, uh, as far as with your work, I've always, I mean, I, I do love the um, the cannery stuff and all those things, but you can tell that this is what pays the bills a little bit, and this is where my heart is a little bit. Not that not that the other stuff isn't inspired by your heart, but mm. it, you can definitely see the difference of like this is what I want to make, whereas this is what is what I need to make. Yeah, I definitely think that you have your sort of bread and butter oil paintings that people will like and buy and they do fund the experimentation and and i think what you said you know your heart and soul is in the experimentation because that's where the fun is yeah. it's like the burning end of thick it's on fire it's like combusting and the smoke is coming off of it and you're excited about it the rest of it has just been burned off and it's just the cinder and you're like yeah whatever right right and so i think that's why you're as an artist you're so excited about about the experimentation. It's like finding a new toy, you know? Yeah. The old toy's great. The old toy's, you know, not, it's still there, but the new one, whoa, right? Get that out of the package and start playing That Buzz Lightyear out. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, what, what made the transition to sculpture? I mean, I know you haven't fully transitioned, but, but where did the sculpture part of it come in? Because I know the, the painting part's more from your dad, but. Yeah. So when we lived in Oregon, um, we, I didn't really have a proper studio. I kind of got bounced around a lot between spaces that I could work in. One of the spaces I worked in was I had the run of this giant basement of this apartment building we lived in. And the, um, the owner was an art collector. He loved my work. I ended up trading him a lot of pieces for um, studio space. Um, so I had a run of like maybe 30,000 square feet of this basement. But the problem was... I was worried that the painting fumes were going to start to go up and affect the tenants upstairs. Oh, gotcha. Because the painting fumes are super toxic. Like when yeah. I'm painting them, I've got a full like respirator on with the charcoal cartridges. And then when I'm done, I have to leave the studio immediately. Yeah. Like, and then I wait, usually wait a day or two before I come back in and the fumes are dissipated. 
But with the rental of, above me, I was like thinking, well, there could be a little kid there. There could be a, a pregnant mother, expecting mother. I mean, all these things go through your head. And I right. was thinking these fumes are just so deadly and toxic and terrible that I decided to just start sculpting. And I was working for my brother-in-laws. And in Oregon, when you're tearing apart an old building or something, every stick of wood you take out of that building is like old growth Douglas fir. And you probably encounter oh, yeah. this in Seattle too when you're doing yeah, damage. For sure. And I was in love with this wood. It was just tight grain, beautiful stuff. And so I started playing with it, sculpting, carving in it mostly. Like we would get a an eight by eight dimensional piece of um, Douglas fir, and I would just be super like excited, started hacking into it. I had terrible tools. Like the tools I had were terrible. Like, and I was making, but the thing I realized was as is when when you go into something you always want to sketch right to sketch right. it ahead of time make sure you know what you're doing and you and you know have a little plan have a plan of attack when i realized when you you go from one dimensional to like three dimensional is that you have to sketch all the sides of it which yeah. sounds so simple but not to me and so <laughs> when i when my first sculpture just looked terrible like it looked good when you looked at it this way but when you turned it it just was just terrible yeah. And so when I started sketching things three dimensionally, it's like I it's like almost like when Alice fell down into the rabbit hole, it was like discovering another world existed. Okay. And I yeah, yeah. I got obsessed with it and I just I just really loved it, you know, playing with that sort of dimensional quality of sculpture. And that's when I kind of got hooked on sculpting was at that point. So when I came back to Maine, I went right from living in the middle of Portland, Oregon, it's this beautiful city, beautiful community, to living back by my parents in down East Maine. <laughs> and I went right to working on a lobster boat for two years. It was this huge uh, contrast of culture oh, yeah. and everything. And I was able to paint in my dad's studio for a couple years. And it was just a really cool time. And that's when I kind of cemented my feet in the ground as a Maine artist was at that point. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, were the the head the heads were they started at that point or is that later on? Let's see. Um, so in Rich, yeah, when we I bought my first house in Richmond, I had enough space to make these wooden head things. So then, when I got the house in Brunswick, I wanted to set up a gallery, and my friend was like, he was like, I was like, hey, I want to build this giant head and put it on the side of the road to get people to come to my gallery. And he was like, yeah, you have to do it. So he kind of dared me to do it. And I never would have done it if he hadn't dared me because I can't back down from the dare, right? So I made <laughs> some of these giant heads, if you can see that, right? Yeah. Um, but, you're, but that's not a new thing for you. You've been making those heads for a while. Yeah, I haven't made them to this scale, though. Like, I'll show you the, right. the ones you remember. I actually have a whole wall of them over here. So when you approach the gallery, it's kind of the first thing you see is these heads over here. So... Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. So you remember these ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're still they're big, but they're like not huge. There's like four by they're about four feet tall. Right, because it's a sheet of plywood based basically. Exactly. And then... It's the it's the width of a sheet of plywood, and then you know so you can kind of see. But then making the other head, this one over here I just showed you is about yeah. four by six. The one out front is like eight by six, so it's way oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to walk up my driveway. <laughs> well, 
Well, you don't have snow yet, I see. No snow. Um, I don't think we'll see snow for a while. It's, um, it's one of those weird years where the temperature goes up and down. And what will happen is you'll get a, a cold front will come through and this Arctic air will sort of come down, but it's very dry. It'll push gotcha. all the moisture south to like Connecticut or Pennsylvania. And when the moisture does like push it far north enough, it's very warm. So we'll just get cold rain, a lot of sleep. Um, it's not like back in the day when we'd get a nor'easter and we'd have the Arctic air slide under the warm, okay. warm wet air. And you'd get right. a lot of snow, a lot of weather. I just got to check my mail. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, this is my mailbox. Nice. So, Does the monkey still live next door? Uh, yeah, the monkey's still there. So this is how we get my mail right here. It's kind of like something from Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Remember he had like his whole yard was like crazy, right. weird, like stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the monkey is next door. I haven't seen him lately. The lady that owns the monkey, her health isn't great, so she stays inside a lot. But yeah, this is my, so you can kind of see down my driveway. This is my studio, and then beyond that is the house. I was gonna, I was gonna say, have any of your brother, brothers, well, and sisters uh, followed art, uh, or were you pretty much the only one? That's a good question. Um. Let's see, my brother is a, um, he's a composer, so he composes yeah. music. There was a piano in our house growing up. His name is Jack, Jack Barter. And there's a piano, and no one played with it except for my little brother. He could barely reach the keys. I mean, he'd be reaching up right. above his head to bang on the keys, even sitting on the stool. And he could pound out these crazy, like, tunes. Right. And he learned to write songs, and he would sing along to the songs, and it was just crazy. And then... As he got older, his music became really good. And he hasn't done anything with it career-wise. Probably the biggest things he's done is working with me on dumb projects. Like, hey, I need a song for this little short video I make or something. Right, right. And I'm working on a documentary right now. This guy's doing a documentary about me and my dad. And I think I'm going to have like at least three or four songs by Jack in that documentary. So nice. But he writes some really good stuff. He could write for could write for Hollywood you know because yeah. his music has got this really great power to it and it's intense but he doesn't want to be a part of that whole scenes I don't blame him so he just yeah. tinkers around and plays for his own enjoyment and for his family which is nice so yeah and then as far as the rest of the family I would say my sisters are talented never really done anything like with to the scale that I've been working yeah well, it's, it's definitely a, uh, you have to make that your career almost. You have to make that, well, you have to really um, hone on that passion part of it to make it, I, I guess maybe is that, maybe that's a better way to put it as far as a career because we all do things in the background to pay for making art. There's a lot the of, when, be, when, you're the, when you're the son of a, an artist it, it's, or daughter of an artist, there's a lot that's going to get in your way of making it a career choice. Number one, you're, you've got this sort of big presence, you know, your dad, who's an artist, he's sort of like this towering figure. So what do you do? Do you reject, you know, his style, his, his material source? Do you, do you reject all that and sort of head off on your own track like this, you know, um, the antithesis of what he's doing? 
Or do you right. sort of align yourself with that style and sort of attach yourself to it? And I, I looked at both pathways and I said, you know what? I love my dad. I love what he does. Why would I try to do something that's divergent from him? You know, right. why not learn from him, study him, and then use what I've learned to make my own style? Yeah. And that took me 25 years to do that. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, even though you can see some similarities in color use and stuff like that from your dad's stuff, it really is very different. So you embrace it, right? You don't yeah. hide it. And my dad was is cool enough and he loves me enough to say, yeah, I, I love your work and I want you to keep doing it. So yeah. there was no competition. There was no sense of animosity. It was go team, you know? Right, right. And what, I, what my dad brings to the table is this beautiful lifetime of experience and his understanding. And I tell my dad, what I bring to the table is the energy. We're breaking up a little bit here. Hold on. And so the two cover. I'm wondering if that could be the issue. I'm on my LTE right now. Oh, um, yeah. That makes a difference. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It, it comes back and then it's fine. So, but that's the first time it's done it. Okay. Um, yes, I was going to show you my sketchbook. Do you have anything else you wanted to chat about that? The, no, I was going to say. Shadow kind of thing. Well, I was going to say, it, I think the other, the other foot of that is that a lot of artists are very soul minded. So they're not always the best parent or not in I'm, this isn't coming about your dad because I don't really know your dad um but a lots of times I think that that's where children kind of battle with that too is they see maybe how they were raised or how they were neglected because of the art or something like that and it kind of puts a sour taste in their mouth too so you know it's I, I think with family members it's always interesting to see a where their inspiration came from but B, how many people in their family are doing that because of different scenarios? You know, it's 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 an interesting life. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> there's a million ways it could go, right? You could yeah. have a terrible relationship with your dad and it would be something that was a, a source of contention for you or he was so focused on the art that you felt neglected or there's so many different yeah. terrible things that could happen. And that's why I think it is rare for there to be um, multiple generations of artists. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of times what happens is you're raised in this environment, but then you're like, I hate this environment. I'm going to become a computer software technician or I'm going <laughs> to be a paralegal. Right, and, right. Or you see, the, you see the financial struggle and you're like, I'm going to be a dental hygienist. Forget this. <laughs> I want to make money. I want to eat, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of different ways it could go. Um, it just so happened that I saw that my dad enjoyed it. He could make a living and... Um, I also saw that it was a really fun thing to do. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, you're not 25 right now either. You're, you know, you've, you've been working on this for a while to get to this point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Let's see that sketchbook. Okay. Yeah. So this is my, one of my sketchbooks here. Um, let me see if I can set it down here somewhere. I'll put on my Disney book and my pile of mail that I just picked up. So this is, um, these are my sketches. I do a lot of sketching before I go to work painting or sculpting. Um, you can kind of see how the, the sketches have to be three-dimensional in a way to get the idea of dimension, right? 
right. when you're sculpting anyways. Um, and so that this was a whole series. I never even hardly worked on it. I kind of just sketched it and then shelved it. But um, let's see, there's the wheelbarrow guy. He was really difficult to make um, because the, the angle of the wheelbarrow was fighting me the whole time. Like for some reason, I couldn't get the wheelbarrow to sit right. But anyways, it took me a while, but I finally got it. It was really difficult. And this is a sketch for um, so, uh, one of my wood reliefs I want to make this, win this winter. Okay. So do you see, see, the see the different colors I'm playing with now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really kind of like bright, and that's kind of going to go along with the super mod show of just modern design. And now you're going to see some, these are some more of those sort of brighter colors. I want to make a chainsaw guy. So basically, you're going to see how I'm working on three different shows at once this year. Yeah. And that can be, it can be challenging, but you have to, you have to just get into it and get it done. So this is a, a head that I want to make right here out of, these are all going to be cans um, like this, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this, this, a lot of this is going to be about Warhol because, you know, super mod, I'm going to get into right. that. These are going to be sort of the Columbia reentry parts, okay? So there's the glove, there's these sort of weird hull parts, you know? Um, and then there's Murky. That's going to be in the toy set. Um, this, right, is, right. this is a fun sketch for one of my heads, but it's going to be very one-dimensional. Do you see how it's, it's not going oh, yeah, yeah. to be really rounded out? So I want to work on that this winter. Um, this is a design for a coffee table with a head. Um, oh, and then this is going to be a brooch that I want to make that's shaped like a foot with some metal on it, kind of like my surgery that I got. And, um, well, you have you have a bunch of medical metal, if yeah, I recall. I do. I do. So let's see um, what else. Some more sculpture ideas here, and then this is this is going to be part of the super mod show. I want to make like a coffee maker, some lighting design. Um, just like kind of create vignettes in the studio, in the gallery of lighting, chair, side table, you know? Gotcha. Let's see if I can get it done. It's going to be daunting. Here's the rebreather. Look, so this is the sketch oh, yeah, that yeah. came out and got finished. So that's encouraging. Um, yeah, so this, this is the process. You sketch it all out and then you kind of see where it goes, right? But yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I think it's interesting with um, people who do, we'll just say abstract art, you know, or, or blocky or whatever. Um, there's a lot of mentality like, oh, I could just throw that stuff on and make a million dollars myself. But what you see is throughout all of your art pieces, it may look chunky or thrown together, but it's the exact same shape. It's the exact same style. And it's, it's something that you can't just recreate that if you don't have those skills or those, those talents. And it's always, it's been fascinating to me because I know, you know, quite a few artists now and sure they might make something that looks like just something thrown on a piece of paper, but that same person can also draw like a perfect face or a perfect, you know, like it's, it's the 10,000, that 10,000 hours thing where, you know, you've spent so much time doing this that you can draw that same character every single time. Right. Um, I think what I'm noticing is that I, I look at something, how I want to build something, and I try to keep my build 
or design within a framework that I'm comfortable with. You yeah. know, the way that I build something, I want it to last a long time. So there's the archival issue. You don't want to just have something made that's wonderful and people buy it and then it just crumbles on them. Right. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of strictures that I hold my work to. And I think it's similar with a lot of artists yeah. where they, they look at they look at something and they say, okay, I want to make this, but it has to be in tune with my thought process, the materials I like to use, the style I like to build something. So there's a lot that goes into it that, like you say, many people might never even see or know anything about. Right. right? right. They might say, oh, well, that looks easy. You just slapped that thing on that thing and then painted it. And it's like, yeah, but it took me 45 years to learn how to put these components together so right. that they work together. But not only that, but they have to work within the framework of your oeuvre. It's called the, the yeah. oeuvre, right? Your yeah. body of work. Yeah. In other words, you may work in a hundred different styles, but does it fit within a framework that you've been working on for your whole life? Basically, it's not just a one-off. It's not just like an accident. It, the way I liken it to is the difference between the Vikings and Magellan. Now, the Vikings might have discovered all these amazing places, but it was because they were drunk and they were going, tooling along and they were looking to pillage and rape and steal, right? Whereas a true navigator keeps meticulous notes and he right. can lead you back to the place where he went and he can say, this is how I got here. Let's go on the journey together, right? Whereas a Viking yeah. is like, holy crap, I'm here. Now, <laughs> give, me, give me something to eat and drink or I will take your head off or whatever, you know? <laughs> right, it's right. a different thought process, right? And I think as an artist, when you start to take yourself more seriously, you start to say to yourself, okay, I made this and I love it. How did it happen? Right. Yeah. And you go back to your sketchbook, you go back to your notes and you look and you, you figure it all out so you can do it again and again and again. Well, I was thinking even like the heads on the side of your house. Um, how many times have you moved those things around? <laughs> Dozens. <You> know, <laughs> and I mean, and they've gone through two or three winters now on the side of the house, you know, and they're still structurally sound. They're still beautiful and, you know, taken care of in a different type of way because it's weathered material. So actually the, the weathering outside is kind of changing the patinas and stuff on them, I'm sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's signs of craftsmanship. It's signs of, you know, actually putting time and love into something as opposed to just throwing it together. Yeah, I think that, that, that I appreciate. That's a nice compliment. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, you, kinda, you, kinda, you have to think of the archival quality of something and if it's going to be an inside or outside sculpture. But yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. And I know because I've moved several of those heads and some of them are very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're bulky. <laughs> um. Your driftwood parts, uh, driftwood animals, actually, that's, that's the other thing. Uh, is that showing anywhere right now? Or is that uh, around or? The drift, you mean the, um, they're like the prehistoric beasts? Theory. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of them are gone. And the okay. ones that I have are kind of in storage. That was a project that I was inspired by my youngest son, Oliver. We went to the prehistoric, we went to the history museum, the natural history museum in New York. And we spent all day just looking at all these incredible ancient beasts that I never even yeah. existed, you know, and they're just, yeah. they're fantastic. And they, they look fake, you know, cause they're just, right. they have these weird horns coming out and 
there was a, a deer that only had antlers on one side of its head. And I was just like, I was blown away by the, just the diversity of animals that didn't exist. It kind of played into my whole extinction issue that I have with modern man and how careless they are with this sort of fragile structure of the earth, you know? Right. And so going through all these extinct animals kind of made me think, you know, that is stupid the way that man treats the earth. But anyways, I went through these and I was like, I really want to make some sculpture. So I worked on that for a while. Um, I don't do a lot with that right now, but um, I still have some of the pieces and, you know, it's, it was a fun show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, your work, like I said, is, is always been something that has inspired me to be more creative. Um, it's your use of different materials is, is, as far as art goes, I think it's some of my favorite type of art, I should say. Uh, so I've always really enjoyed that. Not that, a, you know, a beautiful Rembrandt isn't a beautiful Rembrandt, but um, just using the abstract to bake something that looks so close to reality, but isn't reality. I think with a lot of your, your work, like that, like that deer, for instance, in the, in the um, stairwell there, you know, you can 100% look at that and see it's a deer, but it's, it's so that barter at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Well, what is interesting is that an artist should represent the time period that he lived, right? Right. Like Rembrandt represents the time of Rembrandt when they, it was before they had synthesized colors. So most of his paintings are umbers and ochres and, you know, layers and layers of linseed oil to kind of create those three dimensional effects. But nobody cares about that. Right. They, they care about the, the modern way that we live. We live in a very different way now. Yeah. We don't sit around and watch, watch paint dry. We, <laughs> we are wondering what's the next fast, super fast thing that's going to come flying down the line, right? Yeah. So art kind of represents that. What's the next thing? You know, this summer when that guy duct taped that banana to the canvas and they sold it, I... Uh, <laughs> it was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it just kind of plays into this whole, what's the next thing kind of thing. And in yeah. my mind, I'm trying to avoid that thought process because it's a dark chasm that leads down into a hole. You know, there's some out there that I really love like Banksy and all these different ones that are always thinking of these great ideas. Like, right. like the thing with the painting that shredded itself inside the frame, just yeah. like, just a beautiful mind you know just fantastic right and part of me is like oh wouldn't it be great to work at that level but then you have to remember artists at that level they have a team of probably 20 or 30 people that work for them full time right right so i'm just by myself tooling around in my studio seeing what i can throw together and having fun doing it right yeah and that's my that's yeah. the way i choose to be i think you know well, it's obviously it's worked for you too. So, yeah, I would. <laughs> it's been, I'm having a lot of fun and and in, you know enjoying life and making stuff. Nice. Well, this has been real fun, Matt. Um, yeah, it's been really way good. too long in between. Uh, I agree. Forward to next year's show. Next um, time we do this, let's uh, have a beer in our hand and uh, just catch up. All right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, bye. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna say a goodbye, but not a goodbye right now. So, uh, um, 
thanks for watching Test Plug, man. You got it. <laughs>